The Bible. The Bible. The Bible. It's the Word of God. Living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It contains all we need for life and godliness, and it reveals to us the mysteries of God. Join us for the next hour as we study the Bible and take your Bible questions. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We are wishing you a Merry Christmas and hoping everything is going good. Maybe you got your tree up, you got your presents purchased. Man, you're sitting good and you're listening to Exploring the Word. And, you know, uh, today uh, Alex is not able to be with us. He's taking some much needed time off. So we're doing a pre record with Jim Stanley and Wesley Wildman. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's a joy to be here. I always enjoy being on the program and being able to fill in. And we're going to look at the Christmas narratives. Now, if you notice something, on on a seat, when people say they're going to read the Christmas story, do you think they're referring more to Matthew or to Luke? Luke. I do. I agree. Luke Every too. time yeah. I've ever asked that question and I've asked it, well, we're going to look at both of them. Good. Well, we're going see, to try to do that. For me, it's actually John. I agree. John. Mark is the only one. Right. Matter of fact, that was one of the questions that was asked on wordedfr.net about Mark. Which one of the Gospels writers has no information about the incarnation? It's mm-hmm. Mark. Mark. Mark didn't. Mark, man, he started right with a baptism and says, let's get on with it, man. man. (laughs) I think that's the reason most folks think it was Peter and Mark was the secretary, or they called it amanuensis back then. Right. And so, uh, but anyway, yeah, John has that. Did you read all three during the Christmas season? For my family, we always read just Luke. That's why I talk about, think about Luke. What we would do, and uh, now that we got grandchildren, they acted out. Uh, We read the shepherds, but this year, our children, we're getting so many, I think we're going to have the wise men showing up a little later. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the the big deal will be who will be fighting to be a wise man, you know, so I'm not sure. So it's going to be interesting. One of the things that we did in leading up to Christmas is we did the Family Talk um, has, pardon me, Family Life Today offers a, a thing called What Does God Want for Christmas? And so it's a nativity scene. But in the nativity scene, you open up each one each day, and each day it has one of the different characters that go along with the nativity scene, you know, we, the, the traditional nativity scene that you see, you know. And so, but each time it talks about what is what does God want for Christmas? Yeah. And then there's the the last box that you open. Have you guys ever walked through this? No, but you're totally giving it away to everybody <clears throat> else. That I know. Has it. <laughs> Amen. Well, Go for it. It's one of those yeah. things that you and and my kids, even though they got older, they still wanted to do it. Yeah. Amen. Because they, it, it was a tradition. Yeah. And so uh, the the really neat part. What does God want for Christmas? You open up that last mm. box. You know what's inside? A mirror Amen. in the bottom of the box. Because yeah. what does God want for Amen. Christmas? He wants, he wants us. Amen. As we talked about in a previous broadcast, we talked about restoration. God wants us to be restored to himself. He does, Jim. So much that he gave his only begotten son. And folks, today, during the Christmas season, we have a tendency to think more and more about Christ. And when we begin a new year, we think about the things we want to change in our lives or the things we'd like to see Christ change in us. So we're more open to that, it seems like. So folks, if you're wondering who this Jesus is, if you're wondering about Christ and you want answers now, could I encourage you to call 1-800-NEED-HIM? That's 1-800-NEED-HIM. I'd love to give you my cell phone over the air and say, just call me. But I don't know that I could handle all the calls. 
but I know that the folks that need him. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's the reason we partner with ministries, that they do what they do better than what we could do. And so, and and of course, you're always welcome to email us at word at AFR.net. It's so neat to hear of people. I've sent Bibles to folks who have come to know Christ because of this program. Let me tell you something. That is, a Wesley, in a previous program, you mentioned getting the log out of our own eye so that we can help get get the speck out of the other eye. That's really neat to do that. But folks, right now, don't waste another minute. Amen. While we're going to talk about this Christmas story, you can experience the birth of that baby Jesus, full man, grown, gave his life on a cross. You can experience that new birth in Christ right now. Amen. Well, I want to read from Matthew Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, uh, was minded to put her away secretively. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph, I like to play favorites. Who was your favorite Old Testament character? Who was your favorite, mm-hmm. you know, apostle? When I think of the Christmas story, I admire Joseph. Yeah. What kind of man would God choose to have his son live in that man's home here upon earth? He chose Joseph. When I look at him or read, read this story, I can't help but to think about someone with gentle, with high integrity. Being a just man. Uh-huh. He was right with God, guys. You know, he was humble. He didn't want to make a spectacle of her. I love that passage, Jim, where it says he was not afraid. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know what that really means? It means he wanted to. It's really saying, go ahead. Right. Go ahead, take her. You want her, but right. you know, yeah, right. you can trust her. What she's told you is true. That which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. Don't right. be afraid to take her as your right. wife. And he did. Right. And and so Joseph is just a great, great man that that has character. I agree with you, Wesley, mm-hmm. that everything. Integrity. What happens the rest of the chapter in Matthew is the wise men show up, but we're going to come back to that. We're going to try to do this a little <laughs> bit chronologically. <laughs> uh, over, what's the other gospel that has the Christmas story? Did y'all say Luke? Luke. Luke. Yeah. Well, let's turn over there. Luke chapter 1. That We're not going to talk about Zacharias and Elizabeth today, but that could be part and considered part of the Christmas story Amen. as well. But here it is. Uh, G- uh, the, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. Now, this is a little later than what I read, but I wanted to start out with Joseph. Let me read this, guys, and y'all have something to say. It says in in chapter 1 of Luke, chapter uh, verse 26, Now the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. That just blows my mind. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? Mm. And the angel answered and said to her, he didn't, she did not say no way. She just said, how in the world are you going to do it? (laughs) And the angel answered her, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mm. Then Mary said, listen to this. I think some of the greatest words of obedience in all the Bible. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. (laughs) Amen. Let it be. Guys, that should be our response when God comes to us. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. Let it, there's well, a song about let it be. Right. Well, it's a that's not a Christian right. song, but when Mary says it, it is. Yeah. Let it be according to your word. And you know, it, it brings to mind um, to me Isaiah, and when they take the tongs, you know, he says, "Take the tongs and cleanse me." That's right. You know, because the Lord said, "Whom shall we send, and who shall go before us?" And Isaiah said, "Here, my Lord, send me." Yep. Mary basically did the same thing. Same thing. thing. I she agree. said, "Lord, okay." Now I, well, she's saying okay to a lot of pain, right? A lot of a lot. And see, not here's the thing, though. All right, right there in that instance, let's think about the pain because we see it in retrospect. But look at what she signed up for. She signed up to give birth to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She signed up to raise that child. According to the scriptures, she signed up to see that child die on the cross for all of us. Mm. And then she got to experience the joy of resurrection. So she signed up for a great deal of pain, but she also signed up for a great deal of joy. At one point, she even had a little bit of a smart aleck son. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and I say that with all due reverence, but when you look at, at the, the marriage feast, you know, and, and Christ is there, and the, they had run out of the wine, and she said, hey, son, I need you. And he goes, woman, what have I to do with you? you know? <laughs> and Mary just ignored him. She didn't, hey, just whatever he says do, That's do right. it. You know why? Because she had already walked through whatever God says to me. I'm going to do it. Amen. Amen. Uh, when I see her say these words, let it be according to your word. But, but first, she says, behold, your maid servant. Mm-hmm. Now, look at God's evaluation. It says you are highly favored, favored and blessed among all women. She had already heard that. She would already heard God's praise right. for her and right. God's evaluation right. of her. But her evaluation was what? Maid, maid servant. servant. Amen. Mm-hmm. The that is so important, guys. I, you know, don't believe the publicity. Right. Uh, you know, oh, you know, when when people talk about, oh, that's the greatest sermon I ever heard, Brother <laughs> yeah. Bert. And, and I don't mean to roll that, my until eyes. Until next week. Yeah, until next <laughs> right. week. And uh, so, don't you know, keep, keep yourself in check. She does. She keeps herself in check, the maidservant. 
You know, when, when and I'm sorry, Wes. No, go. Okay. Uh, when we think about this experience with Mary, I am I really get torqued up about this. And when when you when you hear the acceptance that Mary gives, and when you see where she places herself as a maid servant of the Lord, just think about what that means, though, to be a maid servant to the Lord, to recognize that I am a butler in the household of the Lord. Man, how cool is that? Because there is a trust that you have with your butler. There's a trust that you have with your maidservant that they're going to do what you have asked them to do, regardless of what their own inclinations may be. Well, there's a great song that uh, Mark Lowry and Buddy Green wrote that goes along with this. And it says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? And it goes on to say a lot more. And we'll get into some of that as we continue with Christmas Questions from Word at AFR.net on Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for a Bible in our own hearts and across the land. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Burt Harper, and it's Jim Stanley and Wesley Wildman. Jim, one of the questions that we got from Word at FR.net, which Old Testament prophet told about the virgin conceiving and giving birth to Messiah? His name would be Emmanuel. Mm. Isaiah did that. Yes, sir. And matter of fact, Isaiah from chapter 7 all the way through chapter 11 is the Emmanuel passages. Uh-huh. And and it's over and over again, it gives you the description of this. That's where you find wonderful counselor, mighty mm-hmm. God. And it's all in there. So Isaiah, as much as any prophet in the Old Testament, had a clear message about Messiah. But I'm amazed that all the Pharisees and all the people, the zealots that were big on the Word of God, they kind of looked over those areas, and they wanted to get to the king that would reign and make the Roman Empire their footstool. Mm-hmm. It Are we that way today, selective in our hearing? <laughs> I know I am. I, you know, sometimes I hear what I want to hear, and my wife says that I am infamous for that. <laughs> selective but, hearing. Yeah, and, and but now here's the other thing, though. When we we want to listen, all right? And it drives my wife nuts because she'll say, are you listening? And I'll repeat the last phrase or the whole last thing that she said. And that really annoys her because I am hearing and I am listening, but there's not an acknowledgement that I've heard. We have to acknowledge what we've heard just like Mary did, just like Isaiah's given this proclamation. We have to acknowledge that we heard that and that we understand that and that we see where it is, what we're supposed to do. Amen. And, and, and Mary did. She saw what she was to do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when that scripture in Isaiah came to mind mm-hmm. for Mary, except when, when the angel talked to Joseph, it would come about. Right. You know? right. And Joseph said, I, I can just see Joseph and Mary come together. I'll show you this tell you this passage that that I heard in the dream last night. Mm. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. You're that virgin, Mary. Amen. You're that virgin. Can you, you know, that's that's pretty exciting. Another question came in 
Where is the first promise of the Messiah in the Bible? Well, that was Genesis 3.15. Listen to this, guys. And this is about the, the judgment that was placed upon the serpent and, and, and Adam and Eve, the fall. And it says in verse 15 of Genesis 3, And I'll put enmity between you and the woman mm-hmm. and between your seed and her seed. And that seed is capitalized, by the way. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. His is capitalized. That's the first promise of the Messiah that we have in the Bible. And so Isaiah gave a clear passage of prophecy about the Messiah. Very specific. Very specific. But here in Genesis, it started out. Every great, uh, this is not to do with our theme today, but every great doctrine always starts out in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Redemption in every great doctrine. Amen. So here you have... Hey, hold up. Go go ahead. Don't just gloss over that. Okay, go ahead. Go back and break that down a little bit. Because we heard what you said, but there's so much that you just left hanging there. I was just answering the question, Jim. So, so, <laughs> so okay. we, that's something we need to go and explore for ourselves, okay. perhaps. Yeah. But, but Let's give us a couple of chunks on that. Okay, here it is. It's between the woman and the serpent had done the, the deed. The mm-hmm. serpent had tricked the woman into eating the fruit and Adam as well. And so there's enmity. That means there's some fear or anger between you and me. And it's also between what will come from the woman and what will come from the serpent. And it says, and there is uh, enmity between your seed and her seed. Now, the seed that they're talking about, her seed, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will bruise your head. In other words, Satan is going to do something, but uh, you shall bruise his foot. Jesus, his his punishment to Satan was a death blow. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, it was a death blow to Satan's intention for mankind. Amen. Because it had overcome. He thought, okay, I've done it. Yeah. I've, I've put him on the cross. But have you ever heard that song about three days later? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I forgot what preacher this is. This great preacher, and he's very visual. And he said Satan was checking on him. He'd go back in there the, after an hour, and he's still there in the tomb. He'd go back, and he's still there. He's still there. But on Sunday morning, yeah. <laughs> Carmen, he arose. Carmen is that Carmen great, that did that? Carmen had a great song about that. That's him. That you know? was it. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, we I think back to, think to, to Luis Palau, and it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and you see all these things. And so that there's hope for us there. And like you said, every great doctrine begins in Genesis. Why? Because in the beginning was the Word. Mm-hmm. Amen? That's in, that's in John. And, in, and where else is it at? In the beginning? In the gen- Genesis. Genesis. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. I don't need to know anything else about the beginning. I want to know, but I don't have to that's know. Right. Get what I'm talking about? Let me, let uh-huh. me give you a great Southern colloquialism there, folks. If that doesn't stir your soul, your spoons done fell out the bowl. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If that didn't start your, that didn't get you on fire, then your wood's wet. That's right. There you Amen. go. I added one for there you. There you go, bro. Right. If, if that doesn't ring your bell, your clapper's broke. Yes. Okay. We, we all got now. Now, okay. we got, now we're looking into Pat. And our... that's why you don't drink coffee in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Move on. G- yeah. Mary, 
I think to know? get rid mm-hmm. of all the fo- mockery that she was facing mm-hmm. there in Nazareth, heads out to see Elizabeth. Yeah. And she visits Elizabeth. When she walks in, guys, she's six months ahead mm-hmm. of Mary, okay? And the baby she's carrying is John. And what does John do when Jesus walks in the room? Leap for joy. He did. He leaped for joy. Listen to verse 44. Indeed, as soon as your voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. That's chapter 1, verse 44. And then Mary had this great song. She was a singer, I guess. Yep. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. She's still a maidservant. Still there. And behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And he goes on, the Magnificat. Yeah. What, what a stirring song that Mary would share in and it's recorded here. Now, I think the reason we have it is because Mary told Luke right. what she did. Well, and see the part just before that, before the Magnificat, where she takes and she walks in, and Elizabeth's baby John leaps in her womb because John knows that his job is right there in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> and that his job is to go out and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. He was the voice of the one calling in the wilderness as a man, all right? Mm -hmm. But even there inside the womb, he was like, oh, there he is. (laughs) I I know what I'm going to do. From the womb, John knew what he was going to do and whom he was going to serve, and even in the womb, he praised the Messiah. He did. Amen. What a a message that is. And and Luke chapter 1 is 80 verses. And it's filled, and, and most of it is about Elizabeth, John's birth, and then mm. Zacharias uh, couldn't talk. And then they said, he wrote it down, his name shall be John. They said, why are you naming him John? There's nobody in your family with that name, you know? Yeah. And uh, he says his name will be John. And mm. then all of a sudden, guess what he could do? He could speak. Wow. Amen. He could speak when he obeyed the Lord. And so here we have in chapter 2 of Luke, and this is where most— People start reading the Christmas story, guys. So I'm going to start. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Guys, that just, I don't care how many times I read it. I don't care who reads it or I hear it. I, I may say something about me. I get chill bumps listening Man. to this. Mm-hmm. Look how the things of the world in government bring about the truth of what God's word said would happen. Yeah. Bethlehem. They were in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And they would have stayed in Nazareth except for this decree. Right. Right. So the hand and the mind of the, the, mind of the king, even though evil, even though horrible, 
is in the hand of God. That's right. That that gives me hope today, guys. Amen. I read this about what took place then, but it gives me hope for today that that God is working. And uh, I everybody was saying about Jerusalem being, you know, our president talked about Jerusalem being right. the capital and recognizing right. it as such. They said, how does that work in prophecy? I don't know, but I just know it does. Amen. Yeah. You know, I may not can fit the puzzles together, but I know the pieces do fit. Yeah. And right. so so here, I bet there's complaining. What? You mean we've got to go make this trek, this trip, 88 miles? It wasn't yeah. easy. 88 and miles in pregnant. those days. She was pregnant. And listen, it was difficult and hard, mm-hmm. even dangerous. And, yeah. And think about where she was at in her pregnancy <laughs> the closer they got to Bethlehem. Right. Because— the days came that what? She should be completed yep. so that Christ could be born in the city of David. But think about that. Now, all of us have children. So all of our, us have seen our wives go through pregnancy. And Wesley, you guys are expecting. Yeah, one on the way. And Chelsea is is with child, and she is ready to be without child. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. By eight months in. When, when you look at, at the, the duration of the pregnancy— and we know that it goes back to Genesis. We understand that. But women love the fact that they're pregnant, and you, and you see that glow about them. Mm. But then by the eighth month, the shine's kind of worn off mm-hmm. because they're ready to be delivered. That's right. Isn't it interesting how that word is, is used there? Delivered. What did Mary do? She delivered the king so that the king could deliver her. That's mm. what that's what Mark <clears throat> Mark Lowry wrote in that yeah. Mary did you know. Right. Yeah. That that line gets me. Yeah. That yeah. this babe whom you deliver will soon will deliver, deliver you. you. Amen. And, and I then, still have that song up by the way if y'all ever want to hear brother. the rest of it. Amen. So. I, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> so here it is. He's born there in Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the inn. Now we make a man that's the innkeeper. We don't know. There's a lot of debate over where he was. It wasn't a stable like we were. It's probably right. a cave. Right. And uh, the animals were there. But I know Joseph. He would do everything he could to make it as clean as he could. And honestly, uh, in the inns in those days, there was not a lot of privacy. Right. They were and, there was general sleeping quarters. And that's one of the things that one of the translations points out. The Amplified Bible even goes as far to say there was no private room. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you have a young lady that's about to give birth to a child, you don't really want an audience for that. Right. Even though it seems now in the birthing suites there is an audience. Right. But, you know, that's not something. They want a moment of privacy for that. And so this may have been the innkeeper's way of giving her the most privacy that she could. Now, one of the things that you talk about there, Bert, is that Joseph would make it as clean as he could. But even with that, some of the things that the babe was exposed to in the manger actually helped him develop greater antibodies for later in life. And so I, even though he was the king of kings, don't misunderstand he me. Was still, he was still human. And so um, that's, that's from a physician's look at the birth of Christ. And, and we used to play that special. You know, we had a physician's look at the crucifixion. We also had uh, something to do along those lines, and that's where I remember that from. Everything that was done was done for a purpose. And was you mean done. God didn't waste a thing? He didn't waste mm-hmm. a thing because, look, even as Mary was beheld as great by God, she considered herself a maidservant. This baby 
who is going to die on the cross for us 33 years later, and then three days later is risen from the tomb. And then Abraham, and I'm sorry, I don't remember this. A, a good preacher would, but I'm, I'm a so-so preacher. So, you know, bear that in mind. So many days later, this Jesus ascended to be with the Father until the Father tells him to come back for us. Amen. All right, so as you see this progression, and this is one of the things that, that one of the questions talks about, and again, I don't want to jump ahead, so you, you no, reel you me back it. in. No, you take it. It says, where is the nativity narrative of Paul found? And, of course, that's found where? In Philippians, Philippians, the second chapter. Let me read that. That's worth reading. I was going to read that. Read it then. Yeah, I've been reading, so you read it. I'm hogging this thing. I'm telling you. Hey, read it, Jim. And poor Wesley, he's just Well, no, we want to be able to see what it sounds like right off a computer screen, too. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I'm actually going to back up, and I'm going to start at verse 1. Go ahead says, therefore, if there is any encouragement of Christ, it, you know, it's funny in conversation, I can just be, sit back and I can have a conversation and my tone's conversational. But whenever you gear up to the microphone, oh, uh, suddenly the voice changes. <laughs> <laughs> therefore, if there is any encouragement of Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if there is any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. And we'll have to complete that. We will. We will. Because we're talking about in Philippians 2 where Paul talks about the birth of Christ. It is neat. This is unusual. It is. But he goes back and brings it, how important it is, Jim. Absolutely. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim, along with Brother Bert and Wesley. You can find out information on Alex at alexmcfarland.com. We miss him today, but we're glad you're here. We'll be right back. Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Connect with Alex and Bert on the Exploring the Word Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley, and it's my privilege to sit in for Dr. Alex McFarland today. And with me is Wesley Wildman. When, when Alex isn't here, it takes two of us to take his place. And of course, uh, keeping us in line is Brother Bert Harper. And today we're taking some of your Bible questions that have been emailed to us at word at AFR.net. Now, we're not going to take phone calls today, but we are going to continue with what we were the questions that we've been answering. And this particular question says, where is the nativity narrative of Paul found? And of course, we're in uh, Philippians, the second chapter. I say, of course, some of us may not have known that, and so here's here's a new address for you to go and study, Philippians, the second chapter. And I backed up to verse 1 because I, I really like how it draws together and gives the comparison that uh, of what we as mortals and humans are supposed to do. That we're not to, in verse 4 says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And then verse 5 is is where the narrative really begins. And Paul writes, pardon me, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, 
did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a ma- as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, Amen. that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me again. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, mm. and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's good stuff. I, I in my opinion, you've just read the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. of, of that. It doesn't, I mean, I don't, I just, it's hard. It's so plain and yet so profound. Right. So simple. Right. But so magnetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is magnificent beyond measure. Here's what it says, guys. Every tongue's going to confess. Every Every knee's going to bow. The issue is where will it happen? Amen. Right. Oh, do it that's now? good. We're saying do it now. Come yeah. to Christ now. Confess. That word confess means to agree with. <clears throat> One of these days, you will agree with God about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Need to do it now. Yeah. My, my pastor growing up always said either you can bow the knee or he will force your knee one day. <laughs> it will be. That's it right. Will be. That is so true. Well, we're talking about Luke and we talk about Luke chapter 2 and uh, he is delivered, but while this is going on in Bethlehem, something's going on outside of Bethlehem, and it is the shepherds where they where they are. And of all the things that God does, He appears to shepherds, and uh, that's highly unusual. Let's read that verse eight, chapter two, verse eight. It says, "Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night." And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Mm. Now I want to stop there. Can you imagine being a shepherd? And <laughs> how, here you are. You settle down. Night? Yeah, you, you settle down. All you got to do is what? No wolves and no bears. Uh, I don't want to, you know. But all of a sudden, an angel appears, mm. starts talking with you, uh-huh. tells you that good news. And then all of a sudden, a whole multitude of angels come and start. They say they didn't sing. I, I can't help but believe they would sing. That's just too <laughs> That's too rhythmic not to put a little bit of a tune to it. That's one of those trivia things. The angels really sing. It doesn't say they do, but sure. I think they may have. Well, and I always wonder if they, when it says that, it says do not fear, and they they were in fear, I wonder if that was as a result of them being caught off guard or if it was because they were in fear of what they saw. 
I, I think it was both. I both. think combination, yeah. yeah. I mean, because here you have a single, single angel, and then you have a multitude of the heavenly host, and you're just thinking, what rock can I hide under? <laughs> you know, how can, but then they were given a, a specific thing to go and do. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, okay, hold up. Am I dreaming? You mm. know, was there something bad in the coffee tonight? <laughs> were the, were those not tea leaves that we that we brewed? You right. know, earlier. Exactly. And so all of that, because we think of it as we would see it. Think about this: here in this, in the time and date and age that we live in, we're used to seeing bright lights. We're used to seeing. Think of a spotlight at night. You know that where they shine up in the sky and there's some little logo or something on it. And you can see that up in the clouds. We're used to seeing these things. But these guys are sitting there. It's dark because there's not any street lights out. Okay. I mean, they're out in the boonies. Although they're close to Bethlehem, back then it was just a, a still and quiet place that they had found that they could offer protection for the sheep. So they had the sheep gathered. And then all of a sudden... You've got these guys breaking in, so I think it was really both. Hmm. I think it was fear of what had ha- of what they had just experienced, but also the fear of what the message had been giving to them. Mm-hmm. And isn't it neat to note that God, although the wise men were on their way, and they had studied and they were looking to what's become known as the Star of Bethlehem, and they were coming to worship the King, they knew that the birth was coming. Isn't it interesting to see that the first notification of birth went to shepherds? Bit. Outcast. The humility of Christ, even in the pronouncement of his birth. Wise men are coming, and and once we have more information, we're going to get to where he's at. But the humility of the shepherd tending a flock, and the angels are saying, hey, you need to go see this. And this fits perfect with the character of God in the sense that there is a sense of fear, a reverent fear when mm-hmm. you when you read about him. But at the same time, it's not long after that. They say, whoa, whoa, we bring you good news of great joy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's, now, notice what happens. Uh, after they leave, I think they have a few moments to recover. I, right. I'll just be very frank with you. I right. think there's some space between verse 14 and verse 15. <laughs> uh, I think there's a little space there. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. us. Now, I want to put that, and I, I did this in a sermon that I preached recently, to us. Us? Mm-hmm. Shepherds, mm-hmm. I mean, we're lowly, right? We're outcasts, right? But God has made it known to us, uh, Amen. That guys, that's who we are, right? That God would choose uh-huh. to come and live in us in the person wow. of the Holy Spirit. That I mean, if you can get your mind wrapped around that, you'll see the greatness of God and the depravity of man. Yeah. It is great. Then it said. And then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and they also found the babe lying in the manger, just as the angel was said. Note what you said there, Bert. And in the Amplified Bible, it said, So they went in a hurry. They went in great haste. Can you picture these guys running down the streets in the middle of the night mm-hmm. in Bethlehem? 
They knew it was in a stable because he was in a manger. Right, right. So they, they knew not to look on the inside. They And stables were open. Mm-hmm. You know, stables mm-hmm. were open if you see their cave. And so they knew kind of where to look. They found. That means they looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they, they, you know, both the Magi, the wise men, and the shepherds had to do some of this on their own. Mm-hmm. Now, y'all catch what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they did have to. And uh, they found the babe lying in the manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those things who heard it marveled at those things. Now, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I'm putting a little parenthesis and shared them with Luke so he mm. could write it and put it in his gospel. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> do y'all catch that personal note? It's yeah. exactly right. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I can just picture them going back. Did you see that? Did you see him? That was great. Did you believe that? They were now not talking about the angels as much as they were talking about the child. Right. Now, that's what we want to do. When people come to church, Mm -hmm. yes, we want the singing to be great. Yes, we want the sermon to be delivered in a great way. But we want people to go away talking about the message, Jesus, Jesus, and not the messengers. Right. And that's, I just thought I'd throw that in. You know, where verse 19 here says, But Mary treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. Do you think Mary then began to have an inkling of what the declaration from the angel who came to her and said, highly favored, mm-hmm. and she said, be it unto you the maidservant, and she continually refers to herself, you know, in a lowly fashion. But do you think right then she began to have an inkling of who she had just given I birth to? I think so. To? I think it is built up, the shepherds coming and how they were notified and they told her mm-hmm. what had happened. And now we go to back to Matthew right. chapter 2. Right. And now it's going to be affirmed even more, guys. What you just said, Jim, in Mary and Joseph's heart, now after uh, – Matthew 2, 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, if you were looking for the king of the Jews, what city would you go to? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Right. Right. Isn't that the way God (laughs) operates? I mean, honestly, I love God (laughs) for many reasons. He first loved me. But I, I just enjoy how he throws us a little curve. Right. Now, I don't mean he's trying to hide himself, but he says, guys, I'm not God. I don't do it the way man would do it. Right. I do it the way I would do it. Right. No, not in Jerusalem. So anyway, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I want to ask you, had they lost sight of the star at this point in time? Mm. Seems like they had. Yeah. And uh, it's going to reappear when they leave. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. I heard one preacher say when Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. (laughs) And when he had gathered all the chief priests, scribes, the people together, he inquired of them where Christ would be born. And they came to him and said, Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written in the prophet. It's Micah. But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They could interpret Scripture, guys, but they wouldn't believe it. Mm. Now, isn't that something? People can interpret Scripture, and they can know what it says, but they do not believe it. They do not trust it. Uh-huh. That's where they were. Then Herod secretly called them again, and he asked them to determine from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, 
And when you found him, bring him back to me that I may come and worship him also. Mm. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east. There it is. Amen. Reappeared, right? And when they came uh, to and stood over where the young child was, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, not the stable, that lets you know it was a little bit right. later. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being divinely warned of God by God in the dream, they departed the country another way and did not let Herod know. So it was exactly three magis, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, hey, that's what the song says. Yeah, we, okay. we three kings and, of uh, Orion. Well, we know there was at least three. We so. know. The gifts are the three. Yeah. Gold. Now, you've heard that, haven't you? Uh, Alex, here I go. <laughs> Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each one of them represents something of his ministry. Mm. A king, uh, frankincense, the priest, mm. the holy priest, and the myrrh, the death of Christ. Oh. Each one of them could be used. But how... They got to leave and go to Egypt. So I wonder what they used to live on for a while. Mm. Isn't that pretty neat? That's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. God is oh, the yeah. God of provision, is he not? Yes, he is. So he Absolutely. provided them what was needed just in a timely order. Mm. Now, when you think of the wise men, guys, they come probably from Persia. That mm. was probably. They were stargazers. It is a combination of astronomy and astrology, I have to admit, but mostly astronomy. Yeah. They were looking <clears throat> at the stars. How did how did the three of them come together? What brought those or the group of those? What brought those group of men together? The star. The star. The star. Because they saw they were all of the same mm-hmm. uh they were all the same vocation, mm-hmm. astronomers, and uh they would discuss this thing. Uh, very few anybody that does anything like that does it all by themselves. Right. They usually do it as a group. Even today, right. Like on a college campus, right. Uh, you'll have a scientist that's working on something, but he usually has those yeah, that are sure. working with him. And so they they were there together. I think, uh, Jim, to answer your question, I'm not guaranteed that. Oh, I know. But, I just threw that out. I mean, but I, I do believe that because true. you know one of the one of the things we say nowadays around Christmas, you see it on church boards all across the country wise men still seek him amen Mm. so what brings us together to seek christ to seek the king that was born in the manger Mm. i think it's the fact we may not have the physical star but we have the the scriptural star that's found and it leads to jesus and it leads to jesus we got to say this as we're going off wise men the height of intelligence, the height of discovery, mm. the shepherds, the lowly mm-hmm. shepherds, not in town, right. out, you know, outcast, and God makes himself known, one through a star, the other through the angels, right. but it's still to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And folks, think about it. From the lowly to the mighty, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thanks for joining us today on Exploring the Word, and have a great weekend. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.